Any Italians in the house? <laughs> Tony, my friend, congratulations. <laughs> we need to start praying for Stephen Gerrard and Daniel Sturridge. Lord Jesus, we just lift right... Uh, yeah, no, I'm joking. Seriously, I pray for them. <laughs> we need to win our next game. So, happy Father's Day. Great that you're here. And uh, we are looking at this whole theme together of leaving a legacy. Being dads, and whether you are uh, an actual dad, you've got your own children, or as Wendy said earlier, perhaps you are a spiritual dad, or you, you work amongst others in an office environment where you get to kind of nurture and care and develop others. Uh, whatever kind of fatherhood looks like for you, today we're just honing in on this issue of how can you leave a lasting legacy? And so the question I want to just throw out to you is this, what, what will history say about what you valued most in life? Just nudge someone and say, that's a great question for you to consider. What will history say about what you valued most in life? Because this is the question of legacy, what legacy you're going to leave. And when I was uh, just chatting to my kids in the kind of run up to, to this message, I was saying, so you know, what, what do you think some of the things are that we're going to leave to you as a legacy? And they, they said some really touching, nice things. It was a lovely moment. But amongst the lovely things, they also gave this golden nugget. Um, one of my children said, yeah, you're leaving the legacy behind that whenever dad goes shopping, always go with him because you manage to get more treats. <laughs> so I thought my work was finished. I thought, excellent. I'm leaving a lasting legacy. And the truth is, when we look at the issue of legacy, legacy is really about what values you want to live on after you're gone. Inheritance often, when we talk about inheritance, it, it often is to do with possessions, but legacy is about values. What values do you want to sow into the next generation that are going to live on far beyond you? Someone once said this, that you can eat up an inheritance, but you cannot expend a legacy. You cannot expend a legacy. Because when you choose to pass on core values to the next generation, values about what you love, about what's important, about what courage looks like, about how to honour, about how to love, about how to, uh, how to manage your passions, about how to set your priorities. When you manage those core values and pass them on, those are values that can bring transformation, not just in your life, but in generations to come. Thank you. Amen. <laughs> it's been said this, that you can either give your child a fish or you can teach them how to fish. Okay, giving your child a fish is an inheritance. Teaching them how to fish is a legacy. You're putting something in there that is going to last beyond just yourself. And of course, the ultimate legacy lever is Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate legacy lever. He's the one who plants something that doesn't just grow in one lifetime, but grows for all eternity. And you know, I, I think eternity, we often think, I think when we get to eternity, that suddenly we're going to know everything. I'm not quite sure that's how it's going to be. I think eternity is going to just be an endless long discovery of all that there is to see in Christ. I mean, it's going to be, an, it's going to be glorious. And that is all because of the legacy that Jesus has left. That's what it says in Titus 3 about Jesus. It says, but when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we'd done, but because of his mercy. That's Jesus' legacy on your life and my life is mercy. His, one of his core values is mercy, not judgment. And he's planted that in your life to such an extent that you will never be the same again. 
You can get excited at any moment about any of these truths. You will never be the same again because of the legacy of Jesus Christ. And you may be here this morning, maybe you don't know Jesus. Maybe you're here and you're kind of just wondering, you're exploring, you know, who is, who is this Jesus? I just want to say to you, there is no one like Jesus. There is no one like Jesus. And the very best thing you could do with your time is to earnestly explore the claims of the Christian faith for yourself. To do a proper investigation because Jesus is the ultimate legacy lever. There has never been anyone else in history like him. So I would, I would encourage, if you're here and you're not yet a Christian, explore the claims of the Christian faith and we would love to help you do that. So here are just three short things on how we can leave a legacy like Jesus in our own families, amongst our own children and those that we are among in our spheres of influence. Number one, learn to live unselfishly. If you want to leave a lasting legacy, actually you're not going to do it by living a selfish life. I read this one story about a father who wrote a simple note in, in his will to his kids after he died. And this is all it said. It said, being of sound mind, I spent every last penny. Which kind of sums up our culture, doesn't it? Being of sound mind, I spent every last penny. Because the culture in which we live says, really, you've you got to get what you can, while you can, for yourself. Actually, don't think too much about the consequences after you're gone. Actually, get, get it while you can. Spend every last penny, which actually is the total opposite of what Jesus came to bring in his life. Jesus said, actually, I'm like a good shepherd who lays his life down for his sheep. Actually, I, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. This is the king that you serve, one who came to serve you. He is the ultimate in unselfishness, and hence he leaves a legacy that lasts. Proverbs 13.22 says this, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Well, just think about that for a moment. What legacy are you leaving that is going to be enjoyed, not just by your children or your spiritual children, but by your children's children? What are you planting now that actually is going to last for generations to come? And uh, one of my, my great heroes in my life is uh, my grandfather, my mum's father, who was a... Uh, a, a, a wonderful, wonderful godly man who was a man of prayer, who loved Jesus. I remember being with him fairly close to when he died and all he wanted to talk about was Jesus. And, and my kids were very, very young. In fact, they don't really remember my grandfather, um, but we've got photos that we show them. And the truth is, what my grandfather sowed in his life still lives now. Because whenever you sow something in faith, it always grows, even when you're gone. That's what we read about Abraham in Scripture. That actually, Abraham's seed is still growing because actually faith outlasts you. And a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. <clears throat> and it may well be today that you think, well, this, this is all well and good, but actually uh, I've been left a crummy legacy. <laughs> what, what's been passed on to me actually has been selfishness and I'm still feeling the cost in my life. Many of you all have stories like that where you think, actually, what, what, what got given to me was nothing that I would ever have asked for. But you know, the amazing thing about Jesus is that he can turn all things for good. He's that good. He can turn all things for good. Even the crummiest stuff in your life, he is so good that he can take even that stuff and somehow cause it to bear fruit. 
And if you're here thinking, well, you know, maybe I've blown my chance to build a legacy. Maybe, maybe my selfishness has already cost too much. Maybe it's too late for me. No, it's not. Because Jesus is the ultimate restorer. He's the ultimate restorer of broken things. And actually in Him, every day can be a fresh start. For some of you today, you desperately need to hear that. Today can be a fresh start for you. It can be in Christ because He is that good. And so to leave a legacy, we've got to live unselfishly. Secondly, we've got to know what really matters. You want to leave a legacy, you've got to actually know what really matters. And what I mean by that is not just the values that are important to you, but the non-negotiable values in your life. What are the things that, you know, someone would have to wrestle you to the ground to get out of your grasp? What are those values that you just wouldn't ever want to let go of, that you want to pass on to the next generation? What are those non-negotiables for you? Deuteronomy 29, 29 says this, that the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and our children forever. And there is a clue right there as to what really matters most. What matters most to pass on to my kids is not my passion for Brighton and Hove Albion, even though that's very important. What's more important is actually that I pass on to them the things that God himself has revealed. The things revealed belong to us and our children forever. So let me ask you this question. What has God shown you about himself? What has God revealed to you about his character? Because those are the core values that you want to pass on to the next generation. Because those are the things that really matter the most. I know for us in raising our kids, one core value that we've tried to talk about a lot in raising our kids is the value of living with an eternal perspective. And training our kids, do you know what? This life is not all there is to it. There is another life that you're made for. A life that will go on forever with Christ. And on that day, every tear will be wiped away. Every sickness will be wiped away. Every injustice will be dealt with. On that day, he will make all things new. On that day, live for that day. Not just for this day, but live for that day. You know, when we were teaching our kids when they were young how to pray for those who are sick and unwell, and sometimes we'd pray for them and sometimes they would get better, but sometimes they wouldn't. But we would teach them, listen, eternity's coming. One day that prayer is going to get answered perfectly. There is coming a day when all sickness will be wiped off this planet for good. Live with an eternal perspective. So important that you pass on those core values. And in fact, I remember when our kids used to pray for um, <coughs> Carol and my wife and I, Carol's got a bad back and they would, used to pray when they were very, very little. They used to pray, dear God, please take mummy's back away. I'm really glad God knew what they meant. But uh, living with an eternal perspective is so important because revelations from God belong to your children and your children's children forever. You just imagine, you know, when man first invented the wheel, how absurd it would have been if they'd not passed that revelation onto the next generation and the one after. Wouldn't it be absurd if still today we were trying to invent the wheel? And the truth is, those revelations are meant to be passed on to the next generation so that success can continue. And yet sometimes we don't really grasp that with spiritual realities. And what often happens is that a new generation rises up and they have to rediscover for themselves truths that you had, but maybe you never bothered to pass on. And the truth is every revelation God has given you is a key for success, not just in your life, but for successive generations. 
And the aim as parents and as fathers and as dads is that your, pla- your ceiling becomes your children's platform. That's the goal. That's the goal as parents is actually, I, I want you to run past me. I want you to run harder than me. You know, and I, I love seeing my kids do stuff that they're actually much better at already than I am. And that's the goal is that my ceiling becomes their platform. And that can only happen when you start to <coughs> dial down to what really matters the most. The things revealed by God. And then lastly, dads, we've got to learn to model. Model what you value. Model what you value the most. Model them humbly, honestly, and persistently. Model what you value in the way that you speak, in the way that you live, in the way that you spend your money, in the way you react to crises, in the way that you handle stuff in your life. Model continuously, humbly, honestly, because, you know... uh, Actually, your life speaks much louder than your words. Ultimately, your kids will look at your life and determine what you value by the way in which you spend your time and on what you spend your money and on the words that come out of your mouth. That will speak far louder than any words that you ever say. We've got to learn to model. And, you know, I remember one story from my teenage years. I remember borrowing the car from my dad to go for a drive one day. And I knew he needed the car the next day. And he's like, yeah, just, just get it back in one piece. That's great. Off you go. So I went off in the car, and I remember clipping the curb and slashing the front tire. Ever had those moments as a kid where you're like, not looking forward to this conversation? And uh, I remember going back home and just saying, Dad, I'm really sorry. I've slashed the front tire. And, and I remember my, my, my dad just being perfectly peaceful about the whole thing. He's like, okay, that's fine. We'll get up early in the morning, and I'll teach you how to change a tire. And so he got me up the next morning early, I think it was about six o'clock in the morning, and he took me outside, he taught me how to change a tire, and while he was doing it, he told me about exactly a very similar thing that happened to him when he was my age, when he borrowed someone's car, and yet he got this reaction of kindness and patience. And ultimately, those, those moments, those moments are key in your life, where actually values get modeled, not just taught out of your mouth, but modeled in the way that you behave. One, one thing for us that we've tried to do is model to our kids how to apologize well. You know, and for some of us, you wonder why your children find it hard to apologize. Well, it's because you're not very good at it either. And what you, what you model to your children, I really didn't think that would get a round of applause, but thank you. <laughs> what, what, what you model in terms of Having a culture where you can say sorry and where you can express and give forgiveness, I mean, that's vital. I mean, so many moments in our parenting where we've had to sit down with our kids and say, I'm really sorry. And I remember a moment in our, our family where um, for a season I felt like I hadn't been leading my family well spiritually. And so I remember sitting my kids down in the living room with Carol and just saying, guys, I just want to really apologize. I'm sorry that we haven't read scripture together much recently. I'm sorry for not leading you in that way. Please forgive me. And they were like, Dad, yeah, we forgive you. It's all right. Let's have a hug. And actually, those moments where you model values are so, so important. You know, and as well, Dad, in our modeling, so important that we're persistent. Just keep going. <laughs> keep going. The payoff is worth it. I read of one uh, writer who was writing about leaders who leave a lasting legacy, and he, he wrote this. He said, great leaders drive home their non-negotiables over and over and over again. 
to the point where they feel physically ill at the thought of repeating them even one more time. When the sound of your own voice repeating the same basic principles one more time makes you feel physically sick, then you've started the construction of your legacy. Which I thought was brilliant. And it was uh, Charles Spurgeon, when he was preaching about Noah, he said it was with great perseverance that the snail reached the ark. Which I thought was a brilliant quote. It's with great perseverance that the snail reached the ark. And guys, keep going. Keep going at modeling the core values in your life. And you know, ultimately, the best legacy that you can leave as a dad is a passion for Jesus. That's the best legacy that you can leave. More than anything else is a passion for Jesus. Teach your kids to love Jesus. One of the things I loved in my own childhood was most, oft, most, most mornings I would come down for breakfast and I knew that my dad had been spending time with Jesus. And I would find his Bible open. I knew he'd been with the Lord that morning. Teach your children how to love Jesus. Model it. Talk about it. This is the sure foundation that you can pass on to your children. And so it's a real privilege today to get to introduce my dad, who's going to come and speak for the remainder of this message. And uh, dad, I just want to say I love you so much. And I'm so grateful for you. I'm so grateful for the legacy that you've left, not only in my life, but also in the lives of your grandchildren and generations to come. And you're an amazing dad. And I love you very much. Why don't we welcome my dad as he comes. Morning, everybody. Well, first of all, I'm just so glad Phil's not interested in an inheritance. <laughs> That's very good news. Remind me, Liz, to consult our solicitor afterwards and we'll change our will. <laughs> We're open to offers there as we change our will later on this week. There's no money in the pot anyway, son, so there you go. Of course, what, what Phil was referring to in terms of inheritance was about uh, money, but there is such a thing as a spiritual inheritance. And uh, that's what we're talking about this morning when we're talking about legacy, uh, spiritual inheritance. Now, my radio station of choice is Five Live, but on Saturday morning, it's Radio 4, because there's a program called Saturday Live. Anybody listen in to Saturday Live most Saturdays? One or two, the rest of you all listening to Classic FM. <laughs> but on Saturday Live, there's a feature every week called Inheritance Tracks, where somebody, usually a celebrity, chooses a song that they received in their childhood, and then it's played, and then they choose a song that they'd like to pass on to their kids a song that means a lot to them. So yesterday it was the DJ Fatboy Slim who was uh, being featured. Now, this morning, it isn't so much songs that I want to talk about, but I do want to tell you what I received in my childhood about fatherhood and what I hope I'm passing on in turn to my own family. Now, I need to say, first of all, that while you know that I have one son, Phil. I also have another son called Adam, and he's now 30. I'll tell you a little bit more about Adam in, in due course. So, okay, fatherhood, uh, what did I receive 
in my own childhood? Well, the first thing I need to tell you is that my own father died when I was three. So I've got no memory at all of my father. All I've got are a few black and white photographs. And I remember as a little boy seeing other kids with their dads and just yearning to have a, have a father like, like them. And then at 18, I discovered that I did have a father who was very much alive. I discovered the fatherhood of God. I put my faith in Jesus when I was 18. It was the turning point of my life. And because of that, I could own and I can personalize today one of the great truths of the New Testament from the book of Romans, the Holy Spirit I received brought about my adoption as a son. And by him I cried, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testified with my spirit that I'm God's child. Now some of you may not remember your father. Like me, your, your father may have died at a very early stage, but you've got a heavenly father very much alive. You know something of the father heart of God. Now in those early years, I did have the love of a mother. I had a love of a mother who was extraordinary. She was uh, famous for her hugs. If you came within a very short radius of her, you'd get hugged and have a very sloppy kiss. Now my mother, when my dad died, she's just a young widow, was not a believer. But as a direct result of her bereavement, she sought God. With the help of an elderly auntie, she found faith in Jesus Christ. So rather than giving way, if you like, to self-pity and to bitterness and allowing that to take over her life, she gave her life to Jesus and allowed him to take over her life. And it was absolutely wonderful. I was brought up by a, a wonderful, godly, spirit-filled mother who prayed for me every day of her life. I realized six months after she died in 1988 just how much that had impacted my life. I was praying one morning and I suddenly started to cry. Now, I'm the archetypal Geordie who doesn't cry very much, but I thought, what am I weeping for? Six months after my mum died, I realized, I suddenly realized how much that praying every day had meant. I kind of taken it for granted. Somebody who prayed for me every day of their life, and she wasn't, here, wasn't around anymore. Well, I had a, a wonderful mother. Do you know, 27 out of every 100 children in the UK only live with their mum. Single mums are the, the unsung heroes of the family. You know, they fill a dad-shaped gap in the, in the family. And, you know, I, I've, I've heard about the fame of, of King's Arms for being very good at saying well done. I think today on Father's Day, there needs to be a special well done for single mums. Now, I'm not asking single mums to stand here, but I am asking everybody to stand and say well done to single mums this morning. Will you do that? Yeah. Well done. Well done. When I was 12, my mother remarried, and uh, so for the next 50 years, I had a stepdad, a dad called Alf. And uh, I remember 
starting to call him dad at the wedding reception. So that, that bit was easy, but actually the next few years were not easy. I was a, a growing teenager. Uh, it was quite difficult um, coping with a new, a new situation, and I didn't make it easy for him. They were difficult years. And I, I just want to say to anybody here who is in a similar situation, and you've got a new dad, you know, give him a break. Take it easy. He's trying the best he can. It's a tough job. Go easy on him. I, I grew to love and to respect my, my dad. And uh, he lived to 92. And in the last few years of, our, of his life, we were up church planting in, in the Northeast. We were able to be near him. And I was able to, to be close to him uh, towards the end. But I also had a spiritual father. And I want to tell you about a man called Jack. A man called Jack Fraser, who played such a key part in my early days. He inspired me, encouraged me. Uh, he looked out for me, got me my first job. He even set aside a sum of money for when we had our first child. And he was just a wonderful man. Actually, it was Jack whose car I was driving. He was teaching me to drive, and I scraped his car. That was the, the parallel to your, your situation. And uh, I scraped it right down the side of his car, and he could not have been more gracious. So he modeled something in that moment that then was uh, reproduced later on in my own relationship with, with Phil. But he was such a, a wonderful man, and I think he modeled more than anything authentic Christian manhood to me. I remember I was in the church, in our church in Brighton at the time. I got a phone call from Newcastle saying that Jack was terminally ill. He only had a few days to live. Um, I got on the train. I went up to Newcastle. I sat by his bed in the hospital. I held his hand. I told him how much I loved him. I told him specifically how much he meant to me, what he'd done for me over the years. He fell into a coma the next day. It was my lost opportunity. I didn't need to go to the funeral. That was the moment I needed with him. He was a key man in my life, a spiritual father. Do you know, I need to say to somebody here, maybe to quite a few of you here today, you may not be dads, but you can be spiritual fathers. You can shape somebody's life. You can mold somebody. You can model something that is absolutely life-changing. And you can do that at any stage. You can start now, you can start today. So they're just a few of the things from my own childhood, my inheritance, if you like, from my own early days. But what about what I'm passing on? I think I'm like many a dad, I'm very aware of my failings. Are you aware of your failings? But look, I've got a few positives that I'd like to, to, to pass on, and these are the, some of the things that occurred to me this morning, just in sharing with you. The first thing I really hope I've passed on is the sheer enjoyment of being a dad, the sheer fun of being a dad, the laughs that we've had, the, the times that we've had together with both Adam and with Phil, having bundles, reading stories, playing Sabutio it was in our day, kicking a football, swinging a golf club, a tennis racket, a cricket bat. You can understand in, in his childhood, Phil did not get much do-it-yourself training. 
It was all about sport. He inherited my love for sport. Alas, not my love for Newcastle United. That skipped a generation, but I only have myself to blame because I was the one who took him to see Brighton and Hove Albion. But um, those days were precious. I loved having young sons. We didn't have any daughters. I would have loved to have had a daughter. But in my early years as a, a church pastor, when they were exceptionally busy, uh, evenings especially, we had a daddy night that I guarded jealously that was the highlight of the week. I loved those daddy nights. It wasn't so much what we did, it was just being together. And I think in those days, what I wanted to get across was, you're just fun to be with. I enjoy being with you. I want to be your friend as well as your dad. So they're the kind of things that just were such fun, such sheer enjoyment. I hope I've passed that on. I believe I have in terms of inheritance. Another thing, secondly, I hope I've shown the lads how much I love their mum. And I've been blessed with the most wonderful, wonderful wife in, in Liz. We've been married almost 42 years now. And... Uh, <laughs> and you, many, many of you guys here are also blessed with, with, with be a beautiful wife and you know you need to let your, your kids see how much you love their mother be faithful to your marriage vows honor your wife cherish her realize what a wonderful gift from God that, that she is let your sons see what it means to be a godly husband. Let your daughters see what kind of man they would like to marry in due course. Model something in the home. Love your wife. And I hope I've, I've been able to model what spiritual headship is about. It's not about being a bossy male. It's about being a godly man bearing the primary responsibility in a family to lead in a relationship of equals. I hope I've been able to model that and impart it in some way. So if you're going to have a secure home, if you're going to have a secure family, then you need to make your marriage a priority. So guys, love your wives and model that to your, to your kids. The third thing is that I want to pass on. I hope I've, we've passed on. I believe we have. And that is um, about inclusive love. Because after Phil was born, we, we were unable to conceive again. 42 years of marriage, and only once in our whole married life have we been able to, to conceive. And so I like to think that Phil is a miracle. He's a miracle son. Because this was very early in our you know, attempts to have, have a family, and... Uh, we had Phil and then never ever conceived again. So there's the joy of having had this miracle son, as I call him, and yet there's the sadness, the terrible sadness of not being able to have any more children. And again, some of you may be able to identify with that, the agony of it, month by month, longing to, to conceive again and not being able to, and that going on for years, not just for months. And that is a real heartache. That's a real tri uh, tr trial. 
But we came to the point of believing that we had so much love still to give in the family that we should explore fostering with a view to adoption. And so with Phil, we began to go through that whole process, which is very long and drawn out. And we began the process and began to talk uh, about a, a little boy called Adam, who was only eight years of age. Now, the whole process began to falter at one point, and the social workers came to us and said, look, I think you should forget about Adam. We need to probably link you up with somebody else. But by that time, we'd already felt really strongly this was God's boy for us. There were so many indications of that. So we said, no, we're going to hang on. We want to hang in for Adam. And eventually it came through and Adam came to us. Phil was 15. This was 22 years ago. Adam as an eight-year-old joined us. And that's why sometimes at the meal table, Adam would say, Dad, tell me again the story of how you adopted me. He just loved to hear that story. He particularly liked the idea that we'd had no choice with Phil. <laughs> but look, having a secure family does mean that you've got love to spill out to others. So the challenge for us all when we've got a happy, secure family is not to be selfish, not to be insular, but actually to be inclusive. Now, for the majority of us, that may not mean fostering and adoption. It may be for some of you. But for the majority of us, it'll mean being hospitable, having an open home, having kids' parties. Sometimes when somebody needs somewhere to live for a while, having them in, making them welcome, having a home that's an, an oasis. I believe we've passed this on. This is one of the things I'd love to feel that we've passed on, being inclusive. And then the fourth one, I hope we've passed on, I believe we've passed on a passion to be radical in following Jesus. Now, the reality is everybody, like Phil, like Adam, has to come to faith in Jesus for themselves. You don't inherit any faith from your parents. You may get a model, I believe, over the years. Uh, we've made some huge steps of faith as a family, which have involved some big moves, some big steps of faith launching into, into the unknown sometimes. And I think that's part of their rich inheritance in terms of the family. But everybody has to come to that point where they give their own life to Christ. And that was true for, for Phil and, and it was true for Adam. But I hope we've modeled something in the family that, look, it's the smartest thing you can do to put God first. It really opens up all sorts of doors to great adventures. You will not have a boring life if you put God first in your life. So I've wanted and Liz has wanted, the pair of us have wanted to impart a model to our kids that wherever it takes you, love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your might. I can't tell you how proud I am of Phil today because this is the kind of man he's become. I still remember in Hove Town Hall when we were part of the church there, I think he was probably about 14, and about 800 people meeting on this Sunday morning in Hove Town Hall. And I saw this 14-year-old that I thought I recognized walking onto the platform to prophesy. And I thought, it is, it's our Phil. 
That was the first time I remember him in a very, very big, big setting. I remember our ministry trip together to Moscow. I remember, well, a down seminar where I was teaching in the seminar and Phil got up after me and began to prophesy and then prayed for a woman in a wheelchair and she was miraculously raised and he was just a young guy. These are things that make a dad proud. These are great memories. <laughs> I remember Marshall prophesying over us that over the years of our ministry that God was saying that our paths would sometimes run in parallel and then other times would converge, meet for a while and then run in parallel again. Maybe this is one such moment this morning. I'm so proud that both Adam and Phil are brilliant dads. You know, Adam with a, a six-year-old boy called Jack, Phil with Lauren uh, and with Sam. And it's now my delight to be a granddad. Isn't it great being a grandfather? Some of you know what that is. My ambition now, I have ambition still. I may be drawing my state pension, but I have ambition still. And my ambition now is to finish well. I may be drawing the state pension, but retirement is not in my vocabulary. Like Mo Farah, I want my final lap to be my best lap. <laughs> so as we've shared this platform this morning, I'm going to close by passing on not an inheritance song, but an inheritance text to fill this morning. When God called me to Christian ministry at the age of, of 20 stroke 21, he used a, a Bible text, the same Bible text that Jesus used to launch himself into his own mission. And it's this, it's Luke chapter four, verses 16 to 19. Jesus went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it's written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Wow. Why don't we stand together and let's pray, shall we? <sighs> Pass the tissues. <laughs> Let's pray, shall we? Do you know whether you're a man or a woman here, our goal is to leave a good legacy, amen? Our goal is to leave a good legacy. If your dad's here, if you're just a man, just why don't you lift your hands to the Lord just where you are. And I just want to pray a commissioning prayer over you today. Father, we want to thank you today for Jesus. Thank you for the ultimate model of a man. Thank you for a man who lived and loved and sacrificed and gave and was courageous.
Thank you for a man who was bold in the way that he loved. And Father, we just say we want to be like Jesus. We want to be like Jesus. God, that's our aim. That's our one aim, Lord, is we want to be like Him. We want to live like Him. We want to speak like Him. We want to represent Him, God, wherever we go. And so, Father, today I just want to commission every man in this room to live a life that leads and leaves a lasting legacy in the lives of others around them. Father, I pray whether it's in the home, whether it's in the workplace, whether it's in church, whether it's in our families, in our marriages, God, wherever our feet tread, God, I pray that we would leave a legacy that has the stamp of Christ upon it. God, we want you to be made famous. We want you to be made famous in this nation and the nations of the world. And so, God, we pray today, help us. Help us to live like him. Help us to live like him. In Jesus' name we ask. Just wherever you are, just receive from him right now. So some of you who maybe feel like, you know, I just feel like I've blown it. I wish I had my time again. Maybe you just live with some regret. Listen, just receive the grace of God today. Just receive the grace of God. He knows. He knows. He's, he's so good that He can cover your mistakes. He can cover my mistakes. He has enough hope for both the past, the present and the future. So just receive His grace. He loves you. He's for you. He's not against you. Father, just pray for those here who maybe just live with a sense of regret. God, come right now. Come, Lord. Come and just impart fresh faith and hope for the future. Spirit of God. Father, just pray for single parents right across this room. Father, we just pray for your empowering and your grace. God, come to those who are just doing an amazing job of raising kids on their own. God, come. Spirit of God. Come, Lord, come to those here who are not married. Come to those that are single in this room. God, I thank you for the power of Jack's story in my dad's life, that you call each of us to be spiritual mothers and fathers in this room. And so, God, I just want to pray right now for every single man or woman in this room for a commissioning from God to be spiritual parents in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, we just welcome you in this place today. Guys, just while we're receiving, I'm just going to invite my dad just to come and pray a blessing over us as we finish. Just stay in a place of receiving from him. Do you know, blessings are really powerful. Blessings are more than words. Blessings contain very presence of God and the power of God whenever God's word is spoken it actually achieves things it brings things to being it's active creative positive releasing empowering the Lord bless you and keep you the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace.
grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all.